Joe Howdy Shell from Summit Endurance Academy, and we're going to be having what I will almost assure you to be a very fascinating conversation about uh, human peak performance, the mind, creating habits, um, and any number of random topics that we yeah. stray upon. Yeah, we'll give you like a tangent warning right now, but <laughs> hopefully they add value to your life. So, what, uh, you know, Joe, thanks for coming in. What, What's the big thing on your that you're working on with your athletes today, or even maybe with yourself as an athlete? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Um, gosh, for myself, it's it's um, it's kind of this. It's been a a rebuilding kind of summer physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a uh, a couple injuries in my like both of my knees have been kind of janky and that's the technical term. Um, and my, I've had some neck and shoulder issues. And so it's been kind of a, a process in learning to appreciate starting over and, and, and kind of being, trying to be okay and, and, and working on being okay with my performance isn't where I want to be, but, but, but I have this process. It's not the process that I usually have. It's not going out and running up and down mountains every day like I usually do, but it's, I'm in the gym, I'm, you know, doing my physical therapy, I'm stretching every night, I'm, you know, doing all of these things and, and, and figuring out to kind of be, um, be able to be as, as offensive in mindset with, um, with my like body work as I usually am with training. Cause I, th- I think, you know, with, with athletes, it's really easy to get in a really like defensive and negative space when you get hurt, when like there's still work to do. Mm-hmm. And so the process has changed, but you, but you still have a process. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's what I've been working on with me, with my athletes. Um, I, I've, I've really also been kind of, I guess not, not rebuilding, but building from a different place. So now I, I start all of my new athletes at a, at a even lower place than I used to, you know, we Mm. start at an even more basic place because, um, you know, as we were just chatting about, uh, one of the things that, that I, that I continue to see more and more is that an, an athlete comes to me and we create a training program for them to, to get them from point A to point B. And for whatever reason, they aren't able to complete the training plan as well as they, as well as is required to reach that goal, gotcha. you know, and whether that's, um, whether that's because they have a, you know, a really busy, stressful life or because it's turns out they don't actually want to, or, or whatever it is, you know, usually the, the plan isn't followed for two main reasons. And one is emotional energy, you know, they get done with work and they're just like, ah, oh, I just don't have the the, the, the willpower to get out the door. Um, or because they, they, you know, they ran out of time. And so, so I've been starting with, uh, all of my athletes with, with working on some of the very basic habits and behavior traits that will, that will lead them to a lot of success for a long time down the road. And that's things like, you know, prioritizing and, and setting, setting boundaries around your time and sleeping better and, um, and getting out the door six days a week, um, and 
measuring, you know, like recording your, your training data and reflecting on how you felt out there and, and, you know, and just taking it back to kind of the process under the process, because ultimately like the best training plan in the world doesn't mean a damn thing if you can't follow it. Totally. I mean, I love hearing the process under the process and, you know, for people that don't know you, you coach U.S. ski mountaineering team, right? You have mm -hmm. top tier world-class athletes. You also work with, you know, me in the past who by no means do I fit into that category. I think I asked you once if I could make the U.S. ski mountaineering <laughs> team and you're just like, no. <laughs> so not known for my sugar coating. No, exactly. Which is helpful, right? Because we do need to have realistic expectations. But as we, you know, as you're, as you're looking at, it's like those foundations of health, like, you know, it's helpful for some of the people listening to this that maybe they've never trained for something, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe they've been gifted in the past and they've never needed to train. And now they're, you know, maybe in a similar place to you where they're needing to rest and recover and rebuild. Mm -hmm. And that can be kind of a daunting place because we all want to, you know, have that fantasy of getting to the top of the mountain faster, right. you know, getting down smoother. Mm -hmm. yep. So what are like, what are some of the main ways to build that, that you're helping athletes build that traction? Cause I think when we have a lot of people come into our office and work with us, it's similar things like, but I don't have time. Yeah. I'm not, you know, it's like there's, right. you know, and then yet you're, we're going to ask you, you know, to add more mm -hmm. training time or add more time of sleep or whatever right. it may be. So I, I don't know. I'm in, in terms of the sugar coating, uh, time is a crutch. Most people have enough time. Mm. They, it is a, a, most people waste a lot of time. Uh, I mean, the average Facebook user is on there for almost two hours a day. You know, I can pretty much guarantee that if we were to pop open your iPhone right there, we would see that your screen time is more than it needs to be. And, and not enough to train like an Olympian, right? We're not going to find 20 hours in there. Sure. But we could probably find another half hour here. We can probably find another hour here. We can probably work on some ways um, uh, in, in which to make you more effective at your job or, or your hobbies or, or something like that. You know, there, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of little things in there, but, but mostly where I start with is, um, is kind of the distraction stuff, you know, is I start with, start with phones, um, you know, get the phone out of your bedroom. It shouldn't be in there. You should have an alarm clock. Um, you should, you, the, your phone should not be the first thing that you waste time on in the morning. Um, things like that. And then, and then simply starting habits, at, uh, as, as a much less daunt and, and a much less daunting, um, amount. So I don't, even if your goal is, is this huge athletic goal, um, if I tell you to go run for an hour a day, which is ultimately what it would take to yeah. get to this goal and you don't run for an hour a day, you can't because you're, you're, you know, you're again, your your um, your like time management skills or your stress levels or whatever that dictate that, that you can't right now do an hour a day, then me telling you to do an hour a day is useless. Like it's, it just, it isn't going to change behavior. You're going to do what you have done. Right. Instead, what I do is I say, okay, let's start with 15 minutes. You know, let's, let's create this habit of getting out the door with a, a, some kind of data collection device, um, for 15 minutes every day, every day. And so at this point, like, like as we move later down, then we start to think about like, okay, well we need a rest day and some days need to be harder and some days need to be easier. Right now, all we need to do is 
you need to be out the door purposefully. And by purposely, I just mean with a data collection device and, and you're out the door for that reason. So I don't count like dog walks or, or anything like that. It has to be like solely for the purpose of this, but you get out for 15 minutes and then over time that part becomes easy. And then at, you can add a little, you know, that, so, so to back up a little bit, one of the, one of the big projects that I've been working on is habits. Mm -hmm. And the way that I think about habits are, are so like we have, we have, you know, I forget the number, like 50,000 conscious choices that we have to make every day. I think the number is probably way more than that. Yeah. Um, and every time that we have to make a difficult decision, so the example that I always use is like kale or donuts, you know, like if we want to make the hard choice, we have to use willpower. You know, right. it it's hard to say no to the donut and yes to the kale. Um, and so, and, and we know that, that, uh, that willpower is not unlimited. And what habits are, our habits are choices essentially that we don't have to make anymore. So it's just like, like instead of going up and sitting down and, and seeing this donut and this kale and just stressing about it, it's like we have this, we've done it, we've picked the kale so many times that it no longer requires willpower. So we want to create habits which essentially... Uh, take away those willpower stresses. And if we can do that, then we can spend the willpower on the more important things. But like if you are crushing your willpower just to get out the door, then you're not going to be very, like it's going to be much more difficult to, to go train hard and to go, or, or to train easy or, you know, whatever it is that's hard for you. If you're having a hard time getting out the door, then, then you're not going to get as much done. And then, when you get home, you, it's going to be really hard for you to choose the right food after your run because your willpower is, is, is cracked, right? So we want to focus on these little habits and building these little habits. And it's much easier to add on to a habit than it is to create a habit. So when we create a habit, it, it can be something as simple as like, like, like um, uh, James Cleary in his book Atomic Habits has like a two-minute rule. Like you can, you can very effectively start habits that you can then build upon later with two minutes. Like, like this should be something that you can do for two minutes. And so that might be put on your running shoes and get out the door for two minutes and then, and then go about your day. And over time you'll find, you'll find that especially, you know, you do it 30 or 40 times in a row, like literally every day you get out for two minutes and everybody's got two minutes. Um, then by the end of that, that part's easy. And then you can start to add a little time and add a little time and add a little time because it's no longer willpower that's getting you out the door. It's habit. Right. Yeah. And it makes a ton of sense, really, just getting that foundation, building that habit, moving forward. And I, it, it, when you were talking about that distraction, like you used the example of Facebook and social media and these distractions, we were actually in a work trauma workshop today looking at how people self-soothe in a dysregulated nervous system. Right. So we could argue like that, say, you know, this maybe is a process addiction or we're coming into the way that we avoid our challenging emotions and taking on that is much, much more difficult mm -hmm. than just saying, Hey, shoes on for two minutes. Yep. You know, and then we're actually, we're, we're building more capacity within our nervous system and our, you know, physicality to be able to deal with 
whatever that stressful thing was that we've been avoiding for maybe decades. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I talk a lot about about how, um, you know, like like when I have an athlete who, who knows that they have a really stressful thing coming up at work, you know, I back off their training schedule. Yeah. Because at a certain point, willpower is willpower and emotional energy is emotional energy. And if you are um, trying to deal with something very stressful, but also punishing your body quite a bit or, or you know, or, 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 or struggling to punish your body, you, you know, then you're just not going to be as good at, at having what I call like, like an emotional buffer. Yeah. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be much more raw. You're going to be much more, you know, uh, volatile in your emotions. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. And what's the really, I've, I've been curious about, you know, in my mind, the way I've conceptualized it is like, when I'm in a stressful work relational, just whatever it may be in that moment, maybe I'm not doing like a high intensity interval workout, but I'm maybe you, your workout that I was called like the ornithology, uh -huh. which is like for people that don't know, as I remember was like walk uphill in a pace where you can actually appreciate the birds around you. Yep. So yep. you're not crushing yourself. Yep. Like what is that actually doing something for our physiology to help like give us that kind of emotional stability or is that still taxing the system too much? No, that, um, so if you are doing that workout correctly, so, so every day there is a, um, once well, and to back up even just a little bit, especially for, for this crowd, um, exercise is damaging. Exercise is the sure. breakdown of tissue and the depletion of energy stores. And so, and so what we do with exercise is that we break down the tissues and we deplete energy stores. And, and then if we give ourselves time to rest, then the body says, oh, I don't want that thing that we just did to be able to damage me as much and deplete as much. So it becomes stronger in preparation for that event happening again. And so every day at every fitness level and fatigue level that we have, there is a certain amount of, of stress that we can handle sure. that, and, and, and by that, I mean, physical stress. And, and if our exercise is below that, then our net result is that we are stronger at the end of the day. If our, if our workload is higher than that, than that threshold, then we become a little weaker after that day. So the point of those workouts, and, and it's really interesting. I, I saw a really, an awesome post, <laughs> which is always a good reminder is that there's, there's never actually been any conclusive evidence that 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 kind of workout, which is what I would call a quote unquote recovery workout, um, because it's below the idea is that it's below the threshold for 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 signal. So sure. you're, it's not enough to actually damage or deplete, um, but that it stimulates your metabolism a little higher, gets the blood flowing a little bit, it gets uh, you know gets heat to the muscles, it it. it uh, clears any byproducts of, of uh, repair work out of the muscles, all that kind of stuff. But there, but there hasn't ever actually been any evidence, any conclusive evidence that that's better than just sitting on your ass and recovering. But we know that especially for a high functioning athlete who's used to training a ton, taking a day totally off can actually be mentally quite taxing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, you know, especially for somebody who's really created that, like, again, that, that out the door habit to not get out the door can actually be very emo emotionally challenging. 
And so yeah. often it's be- it's much better to say like, yeah, just go walk for a half an hour than it is to say, no, just sit on your couch. Yeah. So. so. Interesting. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. the answer I was expecting mm-hmm. really. That was super mm-hmm. informative. And I imagine, you know, some of the things that pop into my head around that too are that you'll also get benefits from being in nature, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. a physiological impact from being outside versus in, which doesn't actually necessarily need to mean movement. Right. Yep. But then I think there's another piece too for that. I imagine you run into with a lot of athletes or we see maybe a lot with people with food where they're like, I'm trying not to drink a beer and eat a burger, mm-hmm. but then we go do that. And you know, we make a, either a conscious or an unconscious decision to do that. Yep. And then we feel like garbage afterwards. Yep. Maybe not even physically because of the food, but more right. so just like emotionally. And mm-hmm. then that can lead to this cycle of actually eat, like doing breaking more habits that you've been mm-hmm. trying to build. Yeah. So it sounds like in that moment, it's really psychologically, it's just like, how can that athlete, like what can they tolerate and what, you know, emotional boundary and balance can they strike? Yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting to think about like that, like what you were saying there just really made me think about identities. Yeah. And, and we talk a lot about how, um, how habits inform identities and, and, and identities inform habits. Sure. And so, what we get into often, and frankly, this is something I saw with you quite a bit, is you would um, uh, have a like have a, like uh, reinforce a bad habit, sure, and then talk trash about yourself, and then so so you the the habit says this thing about, and then you create this identity about being the kind of person who has this bad habit and then that reinforces your next bad habit. Sure. And so that's something I work with athletes on a lot is being very, very one, being very conscious of, of that self-talk and that self-identity because we know that that's going to be a, a big predictor of future habits, but then also recording the wins of those old good habits and not and, and and accepting that perfection is unrealistic. Like you're never sure. going to and and we're really good at seeing the times when we messed it up and not good at seeing the times when we did it well. And you could do it like 9 times right out of 10 and you're probably going to remember that one time you messed it up more. But if you have some kind of historic like even a piece of paper with tick marks of every time you did it right, then you can look back and your identity becomes, I'm, I'm the kind of person who does it right. Instead of I'm the kind of person who messed, who messes it up. Yeah. So you have like that external representation of that success. Yep. And I think too, a lot about that in terms of, uh, you know, for my own personal self development, right? Like hearing that I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. Now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but, uh, so we have that going on and then we look at like, Oh, so what's that charge? What's that story or sensation or experience I have internally that's perpetuating that? And then what am I avoiding by it? Because that's actually, for a lot of people, can be, it might just to speak for myself, it can be self-protective to do that. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, then, which, another yep. way to look at it is I'm avoiding something. Yep. So yep. psychotherapies yep. could use, say, a, a cognitive behavioral therapy to address like a faulty thought pattern. A trauma-informed mm-hmm. therapy might look at what sensation or emotional charge you have around that memory and how do you, you know, like using Mm -hmm. an EMDR or brain spotting to like reduce that charge, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think as like an overall piece for me, like I'm, when I hear you say that, I'm like, wow, I must've been in a very like 
sympathetic, like aroused state where I'm very mm-hmm. critical, judgmental, overstimulated. Yep. And to get into that mindful state of like, okay, what, how do I self-soothe, self-address or, you know, attune with another human being yep. so that I can ground, stabilize and get into that parasympathetic or like rest, mm-hmm. digest yep. and actually integrate what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's, it's almost like an indication you know, in our preamble, you were talking about your, or maybe that was even just in this, like your journey of your recovery from your knees and shoulders. Yep. Yep. Right. And it's like, by doing that, it's like, Hey, we're actually, you know, healing as an athlete and as a person so that we can actually perform better in the future. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And, and, And again, you know, these are the, these are the kind of things that, that for me as a, as a coach, like my ultimate responsibility is physical performance. Sure. Right? Um, my job is to make people faster. Um, and, and it's, and, and, and it's really interesting to really dig down and to see like, what is the limiter? And mm-hmm. it's not in most cases, it is not anything physical. It is that the training hasn't happened mm-hmm. and and, and that's not a physical limiter, like they could have done more, but they didn't because of X. Or, you know, or, or they, they could be at their physical limits, but it's because they compulsively overtrain or don't have the emotional bandwidth to follow the plan or, or something like that. Um, and so it's, it's always like peeling back the layers and figuring out, you know, what are some of these bad habits or... Um, or, uh, yeah, or, or demons that somebody's running from, you know, and, and, you know, we, we talked about this the last time we saw each other. Um, I'm still working on this blog post. I haven't, I've, I've like half written it a couple times about, about people using exercise as their, either their primary or their only coping strategy. Sure. And, um, yeah, and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we definitely see that. We see some people who, you know, like, like there's, there are all of these, um, uh, you know, everybody knows the story of somebody who went from a, like a, an alcoholic to an ultra runner, right? right. They traded one addiction for another. Sure. Um, and, and while, yes, that's a, a more healthy way to do it, it's still not a healthy way to do it. You know, um, it's still not addressing the underlying issues. Um, it's still just, you know, using some form of altered state, which and I absolutely consider exercise, especially rigorous exercise to be a state altering thing. Um, they're using that to forget or, or to not deal with or to mask. Right. And, or, and to feel normal. Right. And that can mm-hmm. be like another measure of addictions where it's like, mm-hmm. if I don't go for that 10 mile run, or whatever, I don't feel normal, I can't function, right. I can't go to work. Right, right. Yeah. It's like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, and so, you know, and, and one, of the, one of the real challenges there is that, and one of the reasons why you see a lot of those people turn to, um, turn to ultra events is because Ultra events are one of the only places, are, are one of the only events in sports that rec- that reward that kind of training philosophy. Mm-hmm. With with most other, um, uh, an athlete who has a hard time backing off and doing easy days and 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 you know doing technique work that that isn't physically strenuous, 
Um, if you struggle with those things, you're going to struggle with a lot of, you're going to struggle with getting faster because gotcha. speed requires a, a, um, uh, like a, like a, um, uh, like a, like a sine wave of effort. Sure. Some days have to be really hard. Some days have to be really easy. Some days have to be really technique focused. You can't just go out and alter that state. Right. Um, and so this blog post that I'm working on or this thought that I'm working on and who knows, maybe it'll turn into like a book is, um, is just kind of talking about how, like, if you want, you know, if, if that's your primary coping strategy, okay. Like I, w I would, you know, absolutely suggest trying to find some help and, and trying to, to generate more coping strategies. But, but I do agree that's for, for a, a lot of people, that's the best option. Right. Sure. Um, but you're going to have to realize that you're probably not going to get much faster from, for that. And so if you want to be very much faster, then you really need to work on different coping strategies. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that, which brings me to another super common topic that, that, that is like the, the, the genesis of that thought is that people come to me and they want something, but, but they don't really know why, you know, like they want to be fast. Mm. Yeah. And it's, and it's almost entirely a social construct. It's like their friends are fast or someone they admire is fast. And so they come to me and they say, I want to be fast. And then you look at, you, you try to get them to take up the behaviors that will make them fast and they don't want to. And some of that is because they don't actually want to be fast. They don't, as, as a true value deep inside, they don't care. They don't give a shit. But they have this, this like desire that comes from externally to, to, to be viewed as this fast person, which is a challenge. Super. Well, and it, it's a challenge to, to throw myself in the mix again on this one just because mm -hmm. you worked with me as one of your... Yep. <laughs> slow disciples the uh you know i worked with you on the grand traverse which to me was it was the goal was to finish then the goal was like mm -hmm. hey let's i think it was like it was like 12 hours would be awesome that yep. did not happen mm -hmm. um you know i think there's these things that happen to us and i've tried to be more reflective of that in the recent years or decade really of whose is this like is this yeah, something yeah, like cool. is this is this from my family, yep. from my yep. fa you know, yep. friends? Yep. Is this for myself? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that was what one year of schema. I sold my PDGs mm -hmm. afterwards. I got yep. kind of sick. I fell apart. It yep. was hard, yep. you know, but I'm not, I'm not a driven in that way and be like, mm -hmm. I think I would fall into that category of like, I wanted to do it and I did it for myself. Yep. Like no question about it. Like mm -hmm. doing the grand traverse was a cool thing and I wanted to push myself and probably not in the core way that was like most authentic for me. Yep. Yep. And one of the things that I've looked at as, you know, as we were talking about earlier, like becoming a dad soon or like in January is like, mm -hmm. what is kind of like the intuitive eating, intuitive working out? Like mm -hmm. what's the thing that I can just keep doing? And like, you know, I've been a little critical of like, I didn't want to do the gym when we moved here, even though it's like the Silverthorne rec center is great. And like yeah, yeah. four minutes from my house. Right. And Bonnie's like, let's get passes. And now I'm going a lot, even on some days when it's nice out. And I'll have this like internal dialogue of like, well, I should go for a bike ride, mm -hmm. but I have 45 minutes. I know I can go into this controlled environment, get good exercise, feel good, 
you know, mm-hmm. build that habit and then go back to work or go into that next thing. Whereas, you know, when I'm out something else where I, I have the story that I'm like a more of a mountainous man that would, you know, rock right. up, you know, Mount Royal where that's mm-hmm. not really realistic for me right now in terms right. of my yeah. load. So that's been, you know, a big part of my journey, like yeah. post, yeah. post that. And yep. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I love that question. Like whose is this? Because yeah. I, that's often one of the first questions I, I talk to my athletes about is like this goal that you're coming to me with is this, like, I want you to take some time and think about, is this coming from you because this is something you want and, and all parts of it. Right. Because like you said, like, you know, the, the grand traverse was for you. Yeah. The speed aspect might not have been. And, right. and that created dissonance in the training and part of the training. Right. And, and, and I see that all the time and I can almost always tell after say a month of working with an athlete when there is some dissonance there. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you, you know, you came to me and you, and you said, that you want to be fast when you don't, you like when, when you want, you want to finish, you want to, you know, you want, you want to adventure in the mountains and that's awesome. And I can help you with that, but I have to know that that's the goal. Um, and, and, and I see that with, you know, particularly with a lot of, you know, a lot of ultra athletes often, you know, they come to me and they'll say like, Oh, well, I want to, I want to, I want this time. And, And sometimes it's because they think that's what I want to hear and what I want to work with. Or, or, or what I need to work with, you know, the, like that, that, that I need a concrete goal in order to make their plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll sit down and be like, no, I don't need, I need direction. Like the, the amount of training that we put on you has much more to do with where you are right now than where you want to go. Because at a certain point you can only progress so fast. Yeah. And so like really in, you know, cause my experience with you and what you're kind of describing, it's like working with you as a coach in this is really a personal growth journey that's like that's that undercurrent Mm -hmm. that's like i don't think people are hiring you for that maybe Mm -hmm. at least consciously but subconsciously it's like no like this is like this is this massive benefit we're getting yeah you know and it's really interesting i i think more and more um that i probably should advertise a little more as personal growth yeah (laughs) because because you know ultimately that's what i believe in is that like i mean with, with the exception of, you know, the, the, the hundredth of 1%, we're not making money being athletes. You know, I, I think that probably, you know, 5% of my athletes will ever make money in sports. And that's not, and, even, that's not even breaking even. And that's not even money. breaking even. Yeah. That's just making some money at right. some race. Yeah. And so for the rest of us, it's like, why, why do we do this? Is it, you know, is it, is it to, to dominate? Is it to be healthy? Is it to feel good about ourselves? And, and, and I would argue that for most people, it should be about bettering ourselves. You know, it's, it's not about dominating other people. It's not about, um, you know, I mean, hell it's, it's, it's at a, at a, at a really high level, sports are not healthy. Like that's not what it's necessarily about, but it's about growing and becoming stronger through this process of making goals, pushing yourself, learning better habits, you know, learning, learning to embrace challenges, all that, all those kind of things. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something like really humanity can relate to, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and, and it has been a shadow and a challenge for so many people. 
you know, to actually create those routines. It brings me back kind of to the, to the extreme ownership type thing again, where it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, yeah, I'm going to step into this. I'm going to do this for myself. And even there's value in that journey of like, oh, right, that falling apart on some workouts or realizing like, oh, I'm not the fast person. And then mm-hmm. I have this like construct that I want to be or that's what success or happiness or whatever looks like mm-hmm. externally. But for me, it's not. Right. You know, so when I think about my goals as an athlete or whenever I go to like, whenever I hurt myself, which seems to be like every three months, mm-hmm. you know, I get strong again, then jump off mm-hmm. something too big and yep. I'm like, yep. all right, back to the chiropractor or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like one of the main goals for me is actually like that resilience factor, mm-hmm. you know, and not just in terms of, uh, you know, being able to take a crash, which has been something I've said to multiple people, like, yeah, I just yeah, want to be able to fall again. Yeah. <laughs> like, not like be worried about it because, you know, right. pushing that edge is fun and that's where a lot of us get into flow states, yep. right? That is yep. like right at that boundary. Absolutely. You know, so that's mm-hmm. what I've learned for myself and it's been much more powerful for, I'd say, the past like seven or eight months of me working out or, you know, being on that type of t- track versus like when I think we first met, it was like, if I don't have this big, scary thing, I'm not going to do it. Right, right. Right, which yeah. is not a bad thing necessarily, but I mm-hmm. can also, now that I'm on a different track, I can see how internally, so not speaking mm-hmm. for everyone, yep. Yep. like internally how that just keeps me in that cycle and pattern that's right. maybe not as authentic mm-hmm. as like, no, no, just I'm not doing re- really rest recovery days, but I'm also mm-hmm. not doing training. Right. You yep. know, I am just yep. active yep. and engaged in doing some lifting and some biking and mm-hmm. some hiking and camping and that's what i really value and that's the the value that's within my family as well Mm -hmm. like yeah it's not about going to a race though i'm sure i'll do another one someday Mm -hmm. it's just about like making sure i don't have my back go out halfway through the gore range right right yeah so yeah yeah it's a big thing yeah and it's it's really interesting you know speaking of like fatherhood too um one of my coaches had uh had a kid and then just got faster and then had another kid and just got even faster. And some of it was, was that some of it was that, that the pressure caused him to spend less time on Facebook and there was just much less mucking around, right? Like his life became streamlined. But then the other thing that he really noticed, which became a bit of a motivator was that the fitter he was, the more energy he had to handle the craziness, you know? So like when he had his second kid, he was like, yeah, I, I don't need sleep. I'm fine. Like I can run all day. I don't need, you know, and, and, and being able to have that, that kind of like mental toughness and that, the, and those, those like just endless energy stores, he thinks make, you know, and I'm not going to say make him a better a better father, but allow him to have a larger emotional buffer. Right. Right. So he, it, it takes him longer to get frustrated because he has, he has more of those reserves. Yeah. Hey, it sounds like he's living in just got a good system dialed, like Mm. has a good relationship with himself really. Cause that's where so much of this is coming from. Yep. It's like, yeah, probably is his diet and these other things Mm -hmm. are pretty dialed in. Yep. Yep. You know, and that's, you know, for a lot of, you know, what I'm, what I've realized for myself and for clients as well is that, you know, whether it's like introducing the first broccoli or whatever, mm-hmm. you right. know, like, right. cause it's been all like potatoes yeah. forever yeah. and we're just adding a new vegetable or something green or, you know, something not processed or mm-hmm. we're already at like 95% clean 
clean foods and we're still having issues and now we're fine tuning and eliminating or adding in supplementation. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's really all, it's gotta be with that like self-awareness and for yourself. Yep. You know, you can't yep. just like do the fad diet. Right. And you know, it might work. You yep. might be that 5% that like nails that thing. Right. And but, but again, ultimately it's not, it's just not sustainable because yeah. you're not doing it for the right reasons, which is, you know, and that's like, I think, I think, not enough people have a very clear idea of what their values are and what that means for how they live their lives. And so as a result, they take on the values of those around them and then live a life based on someone else's values and then dissonance. Do you have a do you have a process or a worksheet or anything like that or exercise that you run people with to help them explore that? Uh, I do. I haven't I haven't used it in a bit. Um, there's 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 two really good places to to get one of those from. Um, my favorite is in the book Peak Performance um, by oh god Steve Magnuson and. Holberg, uh, Holberg or Holberg or something like that. So they have a, a really robust process in there for digging through and, um, yeah. And just kind of setting, setting some of those values and then setting some priorities and then, and then working on that. Um, I'm trying to think of where I think there's the last place I saw a really good one in was, um, was chasing excellence by Ben Bergeron, which is a, uh, he's a CrossFit coach who's okay. awesome. Um, I, I recommend, or highly recommend his podcast, which is also called Chasing Excellence. Um, but yeah, so it's it's just kind of that idea of, you know, like you have to, in order in in order to not have that dissonance, in order to act um, consistent with what you care about, you have to know what you care about, right. and I and. I think that's a, a very important thing that um, that we often give lip service to, or, or or kind of superficial, like yeah, I care about that. Um, but like one of the things that I, the the ways that I like that um, that the that peak performance book does it is basically like you go through this process of of you know find a list of values, right, of of things that that people care about. And you chop it down to 20 and you chop it down to five and you chop it down to three, you know, through the, through this process. And, um, and it really makes you re, you know, real, like be able to define yourself because it's like, sure, everybody believes in strength, right? You know, cause you go through this list of values and you're like, you know, objectively all of these are good because right. they're values. It's not like any of those values on that list are be a dick, right? It's like, it's all like, you know, kindness and compassion and strength and endurance and all of these good things. And so it's very easy for us to say, yeah, I care about that. I care about that. I care about that. But when you make a choice that causes you to act as though that is more important than one of your actual ones, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be in conflict. 100%. 100%. Right. Makes so sense. so you have to you have to really dig down and figure out and be 
you know, kind of brutally honest with yourself about what are those ones that actually are like the deepest and most important part of me. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that, that, that's a big, that's a big process. Mm-hmm. I love that simplifying it just into that. And yeah, and I imagine having talks with close friends around that and you yeah. know, like just getting that reflection of like, is mm-hmm. this how you guys see me too? Like, well, is it ultimately our, yeah. 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 And, and I love that. I, I, I really do. Um, you know, and that's like one of the reasons that I'm a coach is because I believe that external perspective is really important. Sure. And, and while I probably wouldn't be the right person to help select some of those, um, some of those values for some of my athletes, like I can absolutely tell you that, that my partner, Aaron probably has a, uh, could, could probably look at my list of five and go like, actually I'd put another one there yeah. because I'm, I'm, I'm too, I'm too deep, you know, I'm, I'm too close to it. She could say like, she's like, no, I, you know, I see you make this choice over this choice unconsciously all the time. You don't even realize it. You actually value this more. And then totally. I'm like, Oh, that totally makes sense. You're absolutely right. You know, we, we did, used to do that a lot in group dynamic work, like with wilderness trips or it's called like the, I believe it's like the Kalahari or Kahari window. Mm-hmm. Where's that fourth quad? Like, you know, some stuff you can see, no one else can some, you know, uh-huh. there's this one quadrant though, where, you can't see something about yourself, but other people can. Yep, yep. And that's one of those areas, right, where it's like some people, we're all going to be stronger and weaker in other areas. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that can be that big oversight of like thinking that you're much more self-aware than you are yep. and then getting that mm-hmm. layer. And other people can put too much stock in that and right. not enough in themselves. So it's yep. like in that exercise, if people do this at home, just you know, taking that second to like, is this maybe mine to not tell anyone? Or is this something where I like really need someone else with? Right. Because I'm right. over reliant or under reliant. Yep. You know, so it's, it's yeah. 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 I, I dig that a lot. I think that's a, that's a, yeah. It's a, an interesting, it's, <laughs> it's like, was that like a George Bush quote about like the, no, or no, it was Rumsfeld. Like we've got the knowns and we've got the known knowns and we've got the unknowns and we've got the unknown unknowns and the unknown knowns. <laughs> yeah. But it's but it's that exact same thing. It's like what do we what do we know in quotes and that we are correct about and what do we not know that other people know about us? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think that's the process, right? That like we're part of this thing where we talked about the process end of the process, where mm-hmm. we're just like getting to know yourself and getting, you know, in touch with like, like, look, you know, you're giving me grief. I've got like two phones over here, a screen, you know, there's another <laughs> couple monitors over there. Right. And it's like, yep. there is a lot of that. Yeah. And there is a lot. It's easy. I just did this, uh, you know, I'm in this coaching group with some, it's kind of a peer coaching group where we mm-hmm. coach each other and mm-hmm. you pay 50 bucks for an eight week session. And then I'd coach you, you'd, and then you'd coach someone else kind of round robin it. Yep. But it's all about just getting things done. Yep. So part of what it is is just putting realistic things on your to-do list mm-hmm. and then following through. Yep. It doesn't matter if you don't get it done, it's $5 for you and your coach. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So there's this like pure accountability, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's actually really made me exponentially more productive. Mm-hmm. But one of my eight week goals was just exploring digital minimalism slash essentialism. Yep. Yep. And just this notion of like, yeah, there is a ton of time wasted mm-hmm. and some of it's not wasted. Right. right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, like, the, yeah. Yeah. So one of the ways I've kind of reframed it for myself is like, am I being productive or consumptive? Uh-huh. Right. And it's like, you know, am I, how am I using? Yep. And then how long? 
Mm-hmm. Right, so like I'm really into the show Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. It's fun. It's kind of up by your stomping yeah, ass up yeah, in Montana. Absolutely. But uh, you know, it's fun. It's on weekly. I watch it with a friend mm-hmm. of mine in Frisco. We have like Bonnie calls it our date night. Uh-huh. You know, it's, yeah, it's fun. Totally. And it's like rejuvenating. We talk. We shoot the shit. Eat mm-hmm. some food and move on. Yeah. And then like you know, I might get sucked into like you know like what the Office is like the most watched show on Netflix. Like right. How many times have we seen that couple thousand hour program? Yep. Right, and that's a different thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and exploring that with little kids, especially where it's like, hey, like so much of their world, mm-hmm. their school is on a tablet now. Yep. You know, yeah. and it's like, what, or your work is. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you actually recover? Yeah, well, and it's and it's really interesting uh, to, to think about, because I'm, an, another blog post that, that's kind of in the works is, is, um, is, the the individuality of prescription and i think that that we get we get really caught up in um in like screens are bad or screens are good when for for some person watching another tv show might be a really bad thing for them but for another person Watching, you know, w- watching an hour of Yellowstone might be another, just another time when a father is ignoring his child. Right. For another person, that's a half hour of very important, like, recovery and stress reduction and, and, and all of this stuff. And, and, and so it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of start seeing that, like, like, you know, I think of it as a continuum. You know, some people need to be pushed a little more towards one, you know, and, and you know, and, and call it the, the parasympathetic sympathetic axis, right? Yeah. Some people need to be pushed a little more sympathetic. Some people need to be pushed a little more parasympathetic. And for those people, sometimes the same tool is going to do one of those things. Sure. Um, so for me, like, the, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that brought up this, um, this thought for me is that I have a sticky note on my computer that says grind. And that's because I'm not good at grinding, you know, if, on a, on a decision-making axis. If, if you have like, not decision-making, but if you have like stick to a task, no matter what on one end and be very critical and change your tactics a lot on the other end, I'm typically over and, I will overanalyze and change my tactics on a on a task a lot. Right. Whereas on the other end is what I, so so we'll call it like on one side that's working smart and on the other end of that axis we'll call working hard. I'm always on that smart end of the axis. Um, which means that I often will give up on a project without giving it a fair shake, right? Because I will decide, well, this isn't working. I'm not seeing the results that I want. I must be doing something wrong and need to change my tactics. And on the other side of that, you have somebody who ignores all feedback and just works as hard as they can. They'll run into a wall a thousand times because I need to get on the other side of that wall, right? Right. And so for somebody who trends towards that working hard, a reminder to be to grind is a terrible message. They don't need that. They need to be like, hey, run into that wall twice and then ask yourself, is there a better way? Um, but for me, who who tends to like naturally skew on the one side of this, I need a reminder to move, you know, towards the center. 
Um, sure. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, re it's really interesting to, you know, like I've, I've started to see a lot more problems in that way and say like, yeah, for, for some people, you know, absolute digital minimalism might be the thing for most, we'll call it most, <laughs> but for some, you know, maybe, maybe for, maybe for somebody who's, um, you, you know, like for, for, you know, for example, say a, a elderly person who lives by themselves, who always had a really close social life with mm -hmm. the rest of their family, but now is cut off from them. Social media might be the only way to stay engaged, you know? And, and so it is like, like you said, there are these good things that happen with social media, but we need to be cognizant of what the cost is in relation to those. Totally. For some people, that cost is worth it. Yeah. But for most of us, it's not. Well, and I think, you know, kind of as we're like moving towards the end, one of the things that keeps coming up is this notion of tracking. And I know even when we worked together, I'm like, mm -hmm. I didn't even own a heart rate strap when we first met and yep. like I still wear an analog watch mm -hmm. right and it's like I, I'm not a person that really which is ironic because I do a lot of biofeedback and a lot of neurofeedback right. yep. which is yep. so I'm actually much more tracking myself than I maybe ever have because of that yep. but you know like what's that yeah like what's that balance or what are you seeing like with your athletes and maybe it's once again individualistic of just like getting data which I mm -hmm. think you know is something that you really value yep. versus like or end, you know, just being aware of your somatic experience of something, your interoception or proprioception of yourself in that space and time. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I think that, um, one of the challenges of our, the, the quantity of our screens is that it causes us to be distracted and not very good at, um, at being aware. And I think that in a lot of cases, the, the right kind of data and guided reflection makes us more aware, hmm. you know? So, so like one of the ways that I use that is I will, I will, you know, send an athlete out for the first time with a heart rate monitor, come back and we'll talk about what this heart rate meant, what they were doing here that made this go up, why this went up slower here, why this went down slower here, all of this kind of stuff. And then the next time they go out, they are going to be looking at their heart rate monitor more. They're going to be noticing more. They're going to be more aware of things that make their heart rate go higher, things that make their heart rate go lower. I might even have that athlete wear the heart rate monitor around during the day at some point now and say like, go up a flight of stairs, see what happens. You know, you'll notice things that, that you wouldn't expect, like your heart rate spikes 10 seconds after you get up the stairs and not at the top, you know, yeah. little things like that, that, that kind of get them out of their preconceived notions and, and actually start paying a lot of attention. And so I, I really like tracking for that. Um, I also really like tracking again, going back to like identities and habits and stuff like that. I, I think it's very important to have to have tracking sometimes simply for the sake to be to, to go like look at how much work I have done in this right. area and so sure it's natural to get to the start line of a race and and feel like oh well, everybody else looks really really fast but the the absolute best um, 
way to, to combat that is to have looked at your training schedule that morning and look or look mm -hmm. back at your training log and be like, man, look how, how many hours I spent preparing for this and how much time I spent getting ready for this. And did I do it perfectly? No, of course not. But I put in all that work. And again, it goes back to, you know, solidifying that identity and, and saying like, oh, I am the kind of person who trains a lot. And typically the kind of person who trains a lot ends up being fairly fast and definitely deserves to be in this race. And let's go be curious and have a good time. I love that. And I honestly, like, I, I have the tangent in myself often, like, what am I going to track? Why, how, and how do I do it? And like mm -hmm. your philosophy, I'm like, huh, it hits, it's just, it's just a different way than I've actually conceptualized it. Mm -hmm. yep. and, it's, and it's really in support of the self mm -hmm. as opposed to the self being in support of the data, which right. can happen. Right. Oh, so, ab absolutely. And, yeah. th and that happens all too often is you, you end up being a slave to the data instead of letting it inform the, the reality, you know, yeah. and then that's one of my biggest philosophies is that data is not the conversation. It serves to deepen the conversation between, you know, in this case, between an athlete and a coach. Data, you know, gives us more nuance with which to talk about a workout. But the ultimate question is always, how'd you feel? We run into that with neuro. So there's some systems that'll drive you towards. So we look at a brainwave in, in terms of standard deviations above or below mm -hmm. a normative database. There's yep. one way. There's lots of different mm -hmm. ways we do it. But this could be one in some places will actually just drive you towards zero. Yep. Right. They just say like, well, let's just get your brain in a neurotypical state. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think one of the things I've really enjoyed about our philosophy is that like, Hey, like I can create a protocol off your brain map. No problem. Like I don't, we don't need to talk, but if we're going to actually be effective and like really get you your goals, cause that's what, you know, that's mm -hmm. what our jobs are really yep. at the end of the day is to help yep. people get their goals accomplished, you know? Mm -hmm. And, wherever they land on that spectrum, it's like, we really need to have a good dialogue about it. And that data is just like, oftentimes I think, uh, you know, when we're going, I'm like, Hey, well, this is that like left frontal asymmetry for depression. You're like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> it does exist. You understand me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I imagine that with like the heart rate monitor, heart rate variability as well. You're just yeah. like, yeah, like, no, like, Dude, I was like, crap. And you're like, yeah, man, like you didn't recover. Right, like, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I can't tell you how many times they're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say like, well, of course you felt like crap today. You you did this big thing yesterday. And they're like, oh, you know, because it's I think it's so natural for for human beings in general to to take any dip in performance as a, you know, a valuation of self-worth. Like, man, I'm slower today than I was yesterday. Like, you should be. You ran, like, 20 miles yesterday. You shouldn't be fast today. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. So much. It's interesting to me just having conversations with such a variety of people. Mm -hmm. You know, spoke with a naturopath yesterday. We were talking to a psychiatrist this morning. Mm -hmm. And so much of it is, like, really just that awareness, mindfulness foundation. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's just, huge. Yeah. It's so huge. It is. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I tell people like, don't run, don't exercise with headphones. Don't exercise with music. Don't, don't distract yourself because then you're just not going to get as much out of it. You know, you need to be aware, you need to be yeah. mindful. You need to be paying attention. Um, and if you can't do that, well, 
then that's probably the thing you need to work on. <laughs> yeah, there's something great about your direct non-sugar-coated honesty. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's refreshing, and it's and it's really interesting. I, I've noticed a lot that often with my athletes, when I when I come upon some kind of of uh, hesitation or pushback or like, I really don't like to do that or blah, blah, blah. It's almost always, um, some kind of either like fixed mindset or, or like foundational weakness. Got it. You know, like I find very, very often that if that when I, when I come upon a, like a pushback about doing something and I push them to actually do it. They, there, there is some kind of psychological hurdle that they need to jump. And the more that they, the more that they avoid that, the worse that it gets. But often you just like, you just need to go, just need to go do it. Well, that's that pain of changing, right? Like Mm -hmm. when does it become more painful to stay the same? Right. You know, if we don't have that awareness, we don't have that insight, which is so nice Mm -hmm. about having a coach of like, hey, just noticing. Right. (laughs) Just noticing you skipped this kind of workout again this week. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And let's, let's like, let's explore that and let's push that a little bit because chances are, you know, from a, from a purely physical perspective, if you're avoiding this kind of workout, it probably means it's your weakness. It's probably something that if we address this even minimally, your performance is going to see huge changes. And I think yeah. that is a, a, a great analogy that I, to, to what I often see psychologically as well, you know, is somebody who's, who's pushing back on this one thing. Well, that's probably because there's something there that needs to be explored. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's about as wise as it gets really right there. I mean, it might not be comfortable, but it's true. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Well, if people wanted to find out more about you or kind of connect with you, what's the best place to, to go? Um, uh, my Instagram is at badass coach. My website is summitenduranceacademy.com. My email is joe at summitenduranceacademy.com. So love to, hear from anybody here that generated any questions and uh yeah i yeah. just like i just like chatting to people about this kind of stuff it's fun i did yeah. and if there's one thing you know i wanted to give just a couple more seconds or mm-hmm. minutes however yeah. long you need if there's mm-hmm. one thing we didn't get to and you just really kind of want to lead the audience with now's the time you can use that mm. try it Try. I mean, I think, I think the, like the, the number of people who I see not get to where they want to go because they don't start, it's, it's a big number. And, uh, I think just start, just start, just start. It doesn't have to be a big start. Like how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> just like, start eating your elephant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Thank you, Joe, so much. It brings me right back to the beginning when we talked about just that two minutes a day, putting your shoes on and getting out that door. Absolutely. Just just start. Whatever that is for you, wherever you are, even if that's like literally getting a pair of shoes to get out the door Absolutely. with, it's like, yep. go ahead and get started and, you know, pay attention to how it impacts you. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for dropping by. Thank you.